Hello and welcome to More Than Tracy Turnblad, the podcast about fat representation in entertainment. My name is Abby Rose Morris, and today I am interviewing Joy Nash, who is a phenomenal actor. She's the star of Dietland, and you may also know her from her 2007 viral YouTube video called A Fat Rant. I was so excited to talk to Joy, and I'm even more excited for you guys to hear our conversation. But before we get to that, I want to talk about celebrity weight loss. It's been a bit of a hot topic this week as Rebel Wilson posted a picture in a red swimsuit and everyone's now talking about her weight loss. And she also had an accompanying statement with the picture, and I'm going to read it to you now. It's never too late to improve yourself to improve your health, your heart, your happiness, your harmony. For everyone out there just trying to be a little bit better this week, go for it. Every bit counts. Every effort is worth it. You're worth it. So I want to be clear that my gripe with this is not about the weight loss itself. It's about her comments on it. And my gripe with celebrity weight loss in general is the way that it's reported on and the ways that celebrities address it, not the actual weight loss itself. I cannot fault anyone for losing weight in a fatphobic world. It's hard out there. I get it. But every time a celebrity loses weight and fat people express the pain of losing one of the few representations that we have, people always come out of the woodwork to essentially critique the expression of that feeling and be like, you're not entitled to a celebrity's body. Celebrities don't have to like stay fat for you. They made this choice for themselves, etc. And, like, that is true. All of those things are true. We're not entitled to celebrities' bodies, even if they made their platforms on body positivity. Like, I get bodily autonomy, but it's still disappointing. And those feelings are valid, especially when you never see yourself represented in media. You finally do. You latch on to that. How can you not? And then that person not only ceases to be representation of you, but also in their comments and what they're saying turns on you and people who look like you. And that's exactly what tends to happen with celebrity weight loss. Definitely not across the board, but it really tends to happen. And Rebel Wilson is a great example. Although Rebel Wilson's weight loss to me does not feel that sad because I never liked her to begin with. And she has always been extremely fat phobic, even when she was fat. Like I was not attached to her as meaningful representation. Rebel Wilson also famously said that she decided to gain weight so that she would be funnier, which is so incredibly messed up because she was seeing some other comedian who was fat getting more laughs than her more easily and she thought she should gain weight to get easier laughs. As someone who has experienced getting laughs too easily, and I'm not complaining, I'm not like, it's so hard to be so funny. No, no, I was playing a character that needed to fall down and like eat disgusting food and everybody laughed and I was like, I don't think this is funny. I'm not even doing that much. I'm just being fat and everyone's laughing. Like the fact that people laugh at fatness, it's not a power. It's not a weapon. They're not, they're not applauding anything about you. It's actually kind of a cheap way to get fame if you're looking at it that way. And then in her pursuit of fame and in her like life as an actor, she perpetuates these stereotypes time and time again. She actually wrote a lot of the fat Amy jokes. She pushed it to be even more fat phobic. And she's just every step of the way been absolutely disgusting to fat people, even when she was one. So I'm not exactly feeling sad to lose her. Anyway, the weight loss itself isn't even what feels the worst. What feels the worst is then having 
you know, celebrity X not only talking about how much better they are now that they're not fat anymore, but then peddling whatever diet they use to get thin. So you do sometimes have like Oprah with Weight Watchers or Jennifer Hudson or like or whatever specific fad diet or diet program. Those definitely exist. But I feel like more often I've been seeing this super, super vague uh, celebrity weight loss explanation because everyone, of course, is like, how did you do it? That's the first thing they ask. And celebrities never acknowledge how they have so many more resources than the average person. What Rebel Wilson said led to her weight loss was, <laughs> this is from an article on Eat This, Not That, and it's it's called, the article is called, Rebel Wilson says these four things helped her shed 75 pounds. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Adequate sleep, walking, hydrating, and drinking water were all key to her major transformation, Wilson admitted. You'll always see me with a Fiji water in my hand and balance it with nutrition. So I just can't help but feel that these sort of vague things are not the full story all of the time. I obviously don't know, and this is pure hypothesis, but celebrities have access to personal chefs. They have access to personal trainers. Any kind of fitness that they are interested in pursuing, they have access to. Any kind of food that they want to eat, they have access to. They can pay for anything. And they also have access to things like weight loss surgery, things like maybe diet drugs that aren't available to a layperson. There are ways for them that there are not for the average person. And to imply that fat people are just not drinking enough water? Like, they they really need to make it sound like it's something easy. Because a huge part of celebrity weight loss is like, oh, it's inspirational. Like, you could do it too. And so that's why so many celebrities end up peddling these diets. Even though the access and the resources they have is wildly different from the average person. And of course, like, fatness is so often contributed to by food deserts and low income and not having the money for a gym or the time off of work to exercise or the ability to prepare fresh food. Like, all those things exacerbate it. And then even when you're doing all those things, sometimes you're still fat. So it just really, it really pushes that black and white narrative of fat is bad because fat people aren't working hard enough. So like, while I am definitely a person who feels sadness when I lose a piece of fat representation, especially because like, I want to be an actor, I want to be in the industry. So that's like one less person I have to look up to there. What really hurts is the way that they talk about the weight loss. And I have a really strong memory that I shared on TikTok from when I was like maybe 10. So for me, that was newly fat, essentially. And I was reading a People magazine in the dentist office, which was the only place I could get my hands on People magazine. And there was a feature on Jennifer Hudson's weight loss. And I do want to acknowledge that, like, the access and the privileges that weight loss affords Rebel Wilson are very different for her as a white and now conventionally attractive, I guess, woman. But Jennifer Hudson spoke about her past fat self in a terrible way. I remember specifically that she said, I can wear heels now. I mean, I guess I could wear them before, but the way they look now, now I can really wear heels. And as a 10-year-old, I literally remember that to this day because it was such a blow to me because like 
heels are like a pretty girly feminine thing that I was excited about. I remain excited about. And it's one of the only pretty girly feminine articles of clothing that fat people can have access to some of the time. Although we really should get more inclusive about shoe sizes. And so like to have now heels taken away from me too, one of the few things that I could go to a store and reliably find in my size, that was such a huge blow to me. And to hear somebody who I had looked up to, not just because she was fat, but also just because she's amazing, then talking so disparagingly about how her body used to be the same size as mine, that was so, so hard for me to hear. And, And that's why I still have it in my head. I still remember it. So those are my feelings on celebrity weight loss. I just really feel like the way that they talk about it perpetuates so much fat phobia that I really respect when celebrities don't talk a ton about it. Like Adele, for example, she hasn't really been like, this is how I did it. Follow this diet plan to lose as much weight as me. And I really respect that because the people who laud weight loss are going to laud her weight loss. The people who feel sad when a celebrity loses weight are going to feel sad. And she's not doing anything to exacerbate those feelings. So if you too are a person who has big feelings on celebrity weight loss, you are not alone. And I don't think you're wrong for it. I don't think we should be made wrong for our emotions. And I don't think that we are wrong or bad for attaching feelings about ourselves to the few people we can see in media who look like us. And I don't think we're wrong for holding them accountable when they perpetuate really fat phobic stuff or really harmful diet culture stuff. So yeah, you're not wrong for having feelings, and my therapist would be proud of me for saying that. Thank you for listening to my fat rant. And now, my interview with Joy Nash. Welcome, Joy. Hi, nice to see you. Or hear, listen, whatever we're doing. (laughs) We're actually doing both, but everyone else is just listening. Um, So if you guys think I sound weird today, it is because I guess my microphone is broken. So I had to borrow my dad's. It's been an exciting day. Um, But here we are, ready to start the interview. So let's start at the very beginning of your journey as an actor. How did you first get into acting? Um, I think my first place, I was a pretty shy kid. I wasn't like the one who needed to be on stage all the time. Um, but I read a whole lot and, um, was a very unhappy child. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I probably started doing plays in like elementary school and middle school and, um, high school was kind of where things expanded for me. And like, like I was just saying, listening to you talking about playing grandmothers and mothers your Mm -hmm. entire life. Yo Tambien completely. Oh, like, absolutely. It's the fat experience. Completely. And <laughs> you know, recently I, 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 I'm in an acting class or it's, you know, pause for Corona, but uh, my teacher assigned me this scene and um, I was rehearsing it and instantly I was off book and I it, like, and I had like monologues and I couldn't figure out how I knew these lines so mm-hmm. fast. And then like a week into rehearsing, I remembered that I had been in this play Oh my playing gosh. this same character, a 40-year-old psychologist, as a 20-year-old. Wow. Like, in 2000, I did this, it, like, yeah. 
That is so funny and unsurprising. Can't wait for that day when I have a cheat sheet because I've already played all the parts. It's in you. It's already in you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was born a mother. <laughs> um, so were you fat the whole time? Do you like have a point where you re- started to realize that like being fat was affecting the roles that you were getting? Kind of. I mean, I was... Uh- when I look at myself back then, I'm like, you're not, you weren't fat, but I was probably, I was never smaller than like a 12. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was definitely like a head taller than everyone else. Oh, absolutely. Same. <laughs> I'm now five, six, but back in the day I was like so tall. Yeah. Age. Yeah. Completely. Me too. So I, I think it was a combination of that. And like, you know, people have an energy too. I don't like, I, f- I feel like I've never been adorable. Like, like, I don't, I never would have played Tracy Turnblad ever, you know, like Mm -hmm. even as a 16 year old, but I don't know, maybe that's my my own issue. Well, I mean, it's funny because it's like, what is your essence and what is what you've developed as a result of being pigeonholed into these roles? Mm. And I think I like had a lot of kickback against being a mom. So that like, by the time I got to college, I was more like angry old aunt energy mm, um so mm-hmm. i played a lot of a lot of aunts instead of moms at that at that Good time sir, yeah yeah a lot of like <laughs> old wench kind of kind of people and less yes. like sweet loving mom i i think there's a lot of a lot of fat people get put to a wench but i was never a sexy one i was always like an old hag mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah that's really interesting i think the first time i i had like a sexy character to play was in college and that mm-hmm. was like mind blowing. It's all don't, don't you always? I mean, it's probably cliched and stupid to say, but you're always like learning from the people that that you're playing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, before that part, we, I think it was a show called Thin Air: Tales from a Revolution, and I was like the sexy maid, but I, I'd never worn skirts before I played this part, <laughs> and that was my costume. And I was like understood that skirts were comfortable and like. I felt great in them. And so that like changed me. So then you started wearing skirts. Yeah. I, I love that for you. <laughs> Beautiful <laughs> journey. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and this is what you deny fat people by not casting us sexy. Yeah. Uh-huh. One of the many things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up, you were always typed as the mom, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and at what point did you say, I want to be a professional actor? And how did size figure into that decision? Um, I think it was probably during and after college, like I always got really great feedback, but, but I never saw myself. So I couldn't imagine a world where I could be paid to perform. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I had to wait until I was at least 35 before I could play the snotty spinster or whoever the, before I could be old enough to be the teacher or the principal or the person of authority. Right. Because as a 22-year-old, that's just not going to happen. I'm 24 and I feel that deeply. Oh, so yeah. um, how did that go for you once you were getting into the professional world and starting to audition? Yeah, yeah. It was – so I I wish that I had had more entitlement. I wish that I had uh, just had an attitude like, fuck you, make room for me. Instead of – I felt like, why bother trying? It doesn't exist. I'm going to bide my time. And in the meanwhile, I'll make my own work. And for me, that was writing solo shows, Mm -hmm. um, performing in live theater, LA. Yeah, whatever. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, so, and, and then 
as things happened, I think I was 20 in school when I wrote uh, this monologue um, called A Fat Rant. <laughs> I'm familiar. I've seen, oh, the you U- I've seen the YouTube. I love it. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was a real turning point for me. Um, uh, so I wrote that in college. And then like five, six years later, I was sitting on my bed feeling sorry for myself that I was going to have to wait for another 15 years. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I didn't even have any real like, um, so, and I thought, yeah. you know, I have this monologue. People have always responded. Well, I have talented friends. Why don't I just shoot? I thought I was making my reel, which is laughable looking at that thing now, but, um, it, it had a little life of its own. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever actually use it as a reel? It was the only thing I had on YouTube. I was, well, see, and that was the thing too. Like people didn't see that as acting, Um, Uh (laughs) which looking at it now, I'm like, no shit, Joy. It's not like, and they didn't know what to do with me. They were like, you know, you're, you're engaging, you're attractive. I want to see more, but what does that look like? And content creator didn't exist at the time. YouTube was a year old. Wow. And um, yeah, like, it was just a whole nother thing. Like I think people were asking me to be like a talking head or a commentator or a personality on like MTV or something like a, I shot this weird thing. Um, but I was never really comfortable like that. Like I'm, I want to be an actor. I want to play other people. I don't want to tell people about me. <laughs> yeah. That's super interesting. And that video is so gorgeous. If anyone is listening and hasn't watched it, go watch it. It's so it's so the thesis of this podcast, basically. Oh, that makes me so glad. And it makes me really happy that it's 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 deliciously dated now. Like I think I'm talking about like being able to shop at two stores in the mall, which was the case. And just right. now old Navy expanded their size. Like I can't oh my believe this world exists sometimes. I know. It's really exciting. And it's like because of work like that that got you know, fat liberation out into more of the mainstream. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we're turning a corner because I think I see a lot more nuanced discussions about like fat representation and liberation like around the internet now. And I'm wondering how you came to that. Like how, how did the fat rant mindset (laughs) sort of germinate in you? (laughs) Right. Um, you know, it's kind of, so I, I remember being a, a freshman in college. I had the internet for the first time. That's how old I am. Wow. I- <laughs> uh, sorry, not wow, you're old. Just wow, life without the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I found uh, some people's homepages. This was even before Facebook. Uh, they, and so people had like a personal web page that they built. And, and um, there was like a lot of fat women and then they'd have a guest book which is like your facebook wall and people would comment on it is that myspace kind of thing no it was like geocities like zanga Do you wow no i don't <laughs> it was it's ancient history mm-hmm. but so so there, she'd have this guest book full of comments from men telling her she was beautiful and and i was my mind was blown and i was really angry that no one had suggested to me in 18 years that someone might be attracted to me not in spite of but because of my body like i was pissed (laughs) that's still honestly not that visible i mean i i think i still have like the mentality of like when i see it in tv i'm like oh well that wouldn't happen in real life and like there's a sick part of me that says that even though i know lots of people have like lots of fat people who have sex who date i have a boyfriend and yet there's like still a part of my brain that like wants to debunk it yes 
hundred percent. Yeah. That nasty little voice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Oh, it is not a fun, <laughs> no, <laughs> not a fun companion. No, no. Yeah. Um, but that's amazing. And just seeing that like flipped the switch for you. Yeah. And then I, and then I went like Googling and I think I found uh, Marilyn Wan's book, Fatso. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it's still around or in print, but that was hugely like eye-opening for me. It's uh, it's fat exclamation point. So question mark, right? Yes. I haven't yes. read it, but I have seen it cited and, and talked about a lot. Yeah. It, it's like based on her zines from the nineties, maybe even eighties. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Uh, that was huge. And then I just like, there was like a shelf in the LA public library that had all of the books on fatness and feminism and body positivity. We didn't really have that word at that time, but I just kind of worked my way through them and like changed my own life. (laughs) But I sort of was working in isolation. Like I didn't really have a lot of fat friends. I didn't have a fat community. It took a while. So, so at the same time, I think I, when I was like 25, I read mm-hmm. an article about fit modeling um, mm-hmm. in, in the LA Times or something. And, and it had a, a chart of like the measurements of a fit model and they were my measurements. So I Googled fit model agency and then I s- got hired right away and started. That was a real thing also. Wow. N- not moving into body positivity, but n- body neutrality, I would say. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I'd go into a fit interview and, and they stand around and treat you like you don't exist, but they say things like, mm-hmm. um, well, you know, she's, she has a belly, so that's good. And then they hire me and, wow. and I get paid $125 to stand there because of my belly. So I can't be mad at it and I can't try and lose it because it's paying the bills. And it, and it also, that job sort of kind of gave me a, like a divorced sense of self, like to yeah. just stand there. Well, and not have any reaction or feeling even I wasn't constantly boiling, but, but they're working and I'm working, which is just standing here while you talk about me basically. And occasionally ask for input, but not always. It was interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. That's like a crash course in body neutrality. I love that. And in your life, like, you know, with not having many fat friends, with being in such a fat phobic industry, especially at the time. Um, was that lonely? Like, how did you cope with that? Yeah, totally. I don't think I realized how lonely it was until I started making fat friends. Yeah. I completely relate to that. Literally (laughs) starting this podcast and actually talking to fat people in the entertainment industry who have had like the same experiences I've had growing up. Amazing. I I needed it so bad. And I feel like, um, you don't even realize, like you said, how bad you need it till you get it. Yeah. 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 I think another thing too, I got a job at Lane Bryant um, and that was really instrumental, like to be around beautiful fat people all day. Um, But not everybody is on the same path. They're not, not everybody's happy with their size. Not everybody. I don't know, but it was, yeah, important for me too. Yeah. So um, as you are like starting to break into the industry, however, that looks as a fit model and as an actor, did you have any experiences with fat phobia? And if you did, how did those differ from what you experienced in educational settings? Mm, the thing that I heard that you probably hear also all the time is, well, oh, you're too pretty for this. Oh, no, you're I too- don't hear that. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, if not they, yet. If, I, uh, well, if, they're, if they're, well, in the olden days, <laughs> if, if they're casting for a fat person, they'll say, 
they used to say they, they would hardly, maybe plus size, maybe heavy, maybe overweight, rarely mm -hmm. fat. Um, and that in truth was code word for gross. Yeah. So I'd submit because I was fat and obese and overweight and all these things. I check your box, but right. I'm not what you're thinking of when you're thinking of this character and you're trying to skate by and use a euphemism that hopefully somebody's going to, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's just what I would hear. It'd be like, oh, you're, you know, you're great, but you're too, you're too pretty for this. And people, mm. I've only had one professor in college tell me that, uh, that I should lose weight, that, that maybe I'd find an easier road. Um, but otherwise, no. And I don't know if people are scared to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same experience, actually. Really? Yeah. Like, I think people were afraid to uh, ask me to change it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be honest, I would have reacted badly. Like, yeah. whether that was in like trying to attain that or just like yelling at them. It, it was too, too hot for me. Like, I wouldn't have been able to take it in stride and or or dismiss it or yeah. anything like that I would have reacted badly I know I would have and so if my, if my professors were afraid to tell me that I would understand everything that I experienced in college I also went to a really like progressive um very experimental theater focused school and uh, uh yeah not not what I expected when I went for the BFA in musical theater but um you know it was good for me it was really fun <laughs> And people were really nice. And I think that a lot of the fat phobia I experienced in college was like really under the surface. It was really mm -hmm. like playing older characters, um, being put in the back of stuff, having mm -hmm. costume people roll their eyes at me, stuff like that. It was yeah. less like, hey, listen, if you want to work in this industry, you have to lose weight. It was more like, well, if you want to work in this industry, you're going to play the parts that are right for you, which are yeah. fat. <laughs> I wonder what that is. I, maybe it's like, cause I feel from you, like a confidence and a forthrightness. And I think anybody who would try to say something, I feel like it's similar. Like they can read the room a tiny bit and feel like, oh, this is a shitty thing to say. Maybe I won't do it. Maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> there was a time I, I remember one uh, teacher, I don't know. I'm talking about college so much, but it's formative, <laughs> whatever. It's super formative. Uh, I feel like the fat phobia came from me almost because oh, yes. I remember her sitting down and she had me do a monologue or something. And she was like, you should really think about voiceover and audiobook." And I heard, I see you're very talented, but I don't like looking at this. So why don't you hide behind a microphone? Yeah. When in truth, like, it took me another 10 years to start recording there. I narrate audiobooks as well. Yeah. And that um, was really turning a page for me and being turning a page. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, but that was the thing that, that I got paid for the most quickest. Mm -hmm. I'm having the same experience with voiceover right now. I mainly do corporate and commercial, but yeah, it's like, yeah, it, I've gotten so much more of a response. I feel like I've had to fight less for jobs than I've ever had to fight in theater. And that, might partially be the nature of the industry, but I suspect that also my appearance has a lot to do with it. Yeah, may maybe, but also I can see that you're good at it. And I, that's what Thank I feel you. like I was, my teacher was saying to me, like, like you are uniquely yeah. talented in this. And if you want to make money, it's not that you don't have to be also on camera. Like yeah. your day job can be reading the phone book and people will pay you for that. Mm -hmm. And then you're free to, to be an actor all day long and not have to work about 
or worry Absolutely. about driving Uber or babysitting or whatever the fuck, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. I know you said before that you were sort of when you were sort of thinking you were biding your time in your early 20s, that yes. one of the ways you did that was doing L.A. theater. And I'm curious about if on camera and like TV film has always been like what it is for you or if you ever did more theater or were more interested in it. Um, because I know I always had the perception that like TV and film are the most fat phobic and I should avoid those like the plague for some reason. Huh. Yeah. This like fear of LA that like was stoked yeah. into me by stereotype. That's really interesting. And I've heard mm-hmm. all of that also. Um, I don't know why I didn't listen to it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, actually, good maybe thing you did. did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I like, uh, because I mean, coming up, now everybody's got a camera, but when I was young, you put on a play if you wanted to be an actor. Right. So I loved that, and I kind of thought that's where I would excel. But I, I'm from California. I'm from, Southern, like, I grew up in Redlands, like 60 miles east of L.A. Yeah. So I never experienced Broadway. Like, I never saw people actually making a living on a stage. Um, so I felt like... And the theater... Uh, Maybe it's changing a bit now, but there's a h- extremely s- small number of professional theaters out here. Um, yeah. And if you want to get paid, like if you want to mi- like keep a roof over your head, you have to do film and television. Yes. So it's it's always been LA for you. And um, what was your journey with working your way up to eventually being the star of a TV series? Well, <laughs> <laughs> obviously we have to talk about Dietland. It's like so dear to my heart. Ah, oh, me me too, man, me too. So I growing up all I wanted to do was get to New York. That was first on my list. And so when I applied to colleges, that was it. And I got into NYU, but USC paid me a bunch. Like I got all these this need-based and scholarship and all kinds of financial aid, which is why I went out there. And um then once you're here it's a it's a it's a business of connections in your network and I felt like if I had started over in New York, I'd have to start from the ground up. Yeah. So it was laziness that kept me here, truthfully. Um, <laughs> That's like low-key why I moved to New York. So <laughs> like, I don't I know anybody it. in LA. I'm like, I'm I'm in New York. I'm with all my friends. I, I'm good. Um, so then when you were, you know, doing these auditions, how did you sort of get from point A of feeling frustrated enough to create your own fat rant to like getting to diet land? Um, I was doing my own thing. I, I had a solo show about losing my virginity basically. Um, and this relationship I had with the criminal from France, um, that, that I was really excited about. And, um, (laughs) that was like my baby for 10 years or so. And, and, um, so I was busy performing my own work. So I was doing that and, um, and auditioning here and there. What was the difference for me? Fine. I think, uh, I found out about audiobook narration. I started mm-hmm. doing that. Um, and that to me felt like having your own little tiny solo show. Each book you get to play all of the characters and, and all that stuff. Um, uh, and then I started paying attention to like acting business people. Yeah. Um, I found Dallas Travers on YouTube and um Bonnie Gillespie later on and I never paid them I I I had I before Dietland I never paid anybody a penny for anything Mm -hmm. um but I like swallowed all of their their online stuff that they had available and I think before it always seemed like 
I didn't understand that there's like a level. I, I was, it, right. it took, I'd been acting for 25 years be, or whatever, a long time before I realized that co-star is not the same as like, like I didn't know that a co-star is an under five. I thought it meant you're the co-star. You're this also the star. Right. Right. I, like I didn't even understand the terminology. And so mm-hmm. uh, learning about that. And then um, Valerie Hubbard is another one of these acting business people. Um, a friend took me to some uh, event that she was doing. I felt like I needed to stand out. And from Valerie, I learned about doing drop-offs, which like mm-hmm. physically going into a place and handing them your headshot, which yeah. is what I did for Dialand. Wow. I had an agent, but but she was not so great. And um, I got access to the breakdowns. <laughs> And I saw the breakdown for Diet Land come through and, you know, it said plum, 250 pounds, smart, beautiful. And I was like, I can play those things. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I found the address and I went there and I knocked on the door. And when it opened, the girl inside I'd met at a party like four years earlier. She was amazing. friends with my best friend. And she was like, Joy, oh, this might be good for you. And I was like, that's what I thought. Here's my headshot. Yeah. And then even then, like. I still thought that I wasn't going to get an audition because I never had before. So why should things change? But I went online and I found the sides on Showfax and I started preparing them. And I thought, even if she can't give me a slot, I'm going to make a tape. I'm going to send it in. Yeah. And um, I texted that girl that I knew and said, I'm going to make you a tape. I know I won't get a slot. You know, what's my deadline? And she said, you're definitely getting a slot. You know, she said, it'll be probably Friday, if not Monday. So Thursday night at like midnight, I haven't heard a thing. Clearly it's not tomorrow, except that Friday morning at 8 a.m. I get a text from that agent. Oh, Joy, you know, you've got an, you've got an audition today, 16 pages um, ah. at noon. Oh my God. So three hours. But I'd been practicing that for the last three days, you know. Thank goodness. So that was a trip. It was, it was that experience was just all so wild. And I like recently too, I was, I told Marty Knox and the showrunner, like, I feel like it took having had that experience on that set and being number one on a TV show to make me believe I could be number one in my life. (laughs) Wow. You know, like, like I, uh, like a part of me, parts of me always identified with Plum and parts of me never did. Um, like the way that she dresses all in black, like she's trying to disappear. That was never me. I look, I'm always in bright colors. I look people in their faces. I won't be ignored, but I step back always. Yeah. And if ever there's, if ever somebody wants something that I want, I step back. Oh, of course it's you. That's not for me. That's not, you know, Yeah. Yeah, I relate so much. Yeah. And it took like, I mean, then when you're on set and I I, always like I'm used to being the observer and suddenly you're observed and they know where you are always. They know when you go to the bathroom, they tell each other on the walkies that you're walking into the room. Like that was a like (laughs) a lesson that I had to like not care you know, like it, it'll just make me fucking crazy. But then to have people being nice to you for no reason, like <laughs> part of me was like, oh, is this what it's like to be thin? Like they just, 
are happy to meet me always oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> or you know ask me if they can get me something every time they leave the room like I don't know it was a mind fuck yeah so post diet land how has that shifted your self-concept and like how does that show up in the rest of your life um what a good question <laughs> how has it shifted I think it like I hear I feel like recently I've been hearing a lot of fat people talking about being the main character in the story literally and and yeah. and having leading lady energy instead of best friend energy and i love that so much yeah cuz that's even unconsciously i felt like that was what i deserved was best friend energy but always been unlucky in love and like i'm realizing that it's like i i i don't know like it doesn't have to be that way i can stand in a different way i can wear my skin differently and it makes me the main character and not the best friend. Right. That's gorgeous. I love I love what you said about being the main character. I've had this thing my whole life where I feel like the main character and then I remember what I look like. And I'm like, you look like a fool because you thought you were the main character. Look in a mirror. Like, <sighs> ugh, all that horrible self-talk. So to actually like stand in that and like be it, dis- you know, despite and because like that's your story is so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was always shocked too when other people who weren't fat were willing to stick up for me and like to, like to hear that old navy is expanding their size that somebody yes. else some yeah. suit somewhere gives a shit that I am uncomfortable in their store that that I hate standing there while all my friends try things on and there's nothing I can do but wait for my package to come in the mail. I'm shocked that somebody Give us a shit. I never, ever, ever thought that would happen. When I, when I see, I've been seeing so many more like health at every size dietitians and like advocates talk about how like, you know, fatness is complicated and that we shouldn't dismiss people who are fat as automatically unhealthy, slovenly, etc. I, I, I'm so amazed by that because I'm like, you, you are intuitively eating and you're still thin and yet you don't think you're thin because you're intuitively eating. That is amazing to me. Yes. And a lot of people do complain about this and there's definitely like caveats with it of like, those are the people who get listened to. Like there's a creator on TikTok who talks about what it's like to be a fat kid and she's no longer fat and she gets like hundreds and hundreds of comments, thousands of people just being like, oh my God, yes, finally someone said it. And like sometimes I feel like a little resentment for that. But the fact that more people are acknowledging it is is a win. Yeah, 100%. And she can't, I mean, as much as we can't choose our body, she can't choose hers. And what's she supposed to do? You know, not not support support somebody somebody she cares about? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, and I mean, so many people are sort of admitting that their bodies are the result of like really disordered eating too. And like, yeah. Um, that's, I think, so really beautiful and brave of them because yeah, uh, it's so easy to rest on your laurels when people are congratulating you like that. Yeah, big time. It's interesting. It's such a going hand in hand with being mistrustful of people like being supportive. <laughs> um, it's yeah. kind of that that's a thing that I identified with Plum actually also like 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 feeling Definitely. like you're too smart to believe that somebody could love you as you are. Oh my God. Yeah. That, that really just read me. (laughs) 
right? Like, yeah. because that what you were saying earlier about just that, that being like, like, you idiot, you actually thought that he would fill in the blank, or, or right. that, that, that you could, are you kidding me? That voice right. is the worst. Especially because I think that such a common defense mechanism as a like growing up fat kid is to like really emphasize that like you're still valuable because you're smart. Mm-hmm. At least this is how it was for me. So then it's like, oh, I'm smart enough to know that like my life is going to suck because I'm fat. That's it's, mm-hmm. oh, it's so bad. Or keeping yourself small, like like r- refusing to let yourself fail, never taking a risk because I know it yeah. will result in failure. I Why exactly. bother trying? I'm smarter than that. And not even just failure, not just a quiet failure, but like a public humiliation and like yeah. looking stupid as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. This is basically me every therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so moving on, um, how when you were growing up and throughout your life, what are some fat characters or representations in the media that have really impacted you? Well, the ones I dressed as Halloween characters in the olden days, <laughs> I uh, Delta Burke was r- really beautiful and uh, butt plus sized and mm-hmm. the butt of a lot of jokes. Um, but I thought she was great. Uh, Anna Nicole pre trim spa was, yes. and then like Mimi on the Drew Carey show, like mm-hmm. to be so loud and big and taking up space, even if it was derided and she was a joke, Yeah, but she wasn't shrinking. She wasn't like hiding. There's often some good with the bad in these I find. Oh yeah. I guess I, the more I, I didn't watch a ton of, TV or my family, my parents are very religious. They're evangelical Christians. So we didn't consume a whole ton, haha, ton of media. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like characters that I really identified with growing up. Oh, Cameron Mannheim um, for, on the practice, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Uh, her character in Return to the Dollhouse, Welcome to the Dollhouse. I, lots of it was. I'm sure you've seen uh, Rosie Blair and her series of characters that yes. they told us were fat. That's the, those are the things that really resonated too. Like if she yeah, is sure. a gross, you know, fill in the blank, what am I next to that? Absolutely. Those tabloids really messed with me as a kid in the grocery store in the early two thousands. And they weren't allowed in my house. And my mom would like scold me if she caught me looking at them because she knew how bad they were. But of course, that made me want them more. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But it seems like things are improving. I mean, yeah. the, truly the Old Navy thing has been such a huge, like, su- huge excitement development. Yeah. It's amazing. And yet still so far from what it could be. I do feel like a tide is changing, though. I do, too. I think even within the pandemic, so many more people have been speaking up about it. Yeah. Every new designer, like I, uh, like I'll meet somebody who's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm interested in fashion and this and that. Um, my dream is to have a sustainable, uh, size inclusive line, and I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> like, you're you're so little and beautiful and care about you. Like, what you care about me? Yeah, what? right. But the thing, and the thing is, like, it does affect everyone though. Like, it does harm everybody. Even the people it who does. benefit from it are also harmed. Yeah. Um. So it's time. For a segment that I call Cast Me Cowards, which is when you tell me one role that you would like to play or 
you would like another fat person to play? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> well, the one I've been I've I've been writing um a script with a friend of mine and uh I wrote two parts for myself because um, why not be why not be greedy? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I like them both so much. Like I was like, "Oh, I'll, I'll pick what I want later on, but I like them so much. And then a little light bulb went on and I thought, well, what if I make a short of one of these stories and I can play that character in the short. And then when we make the big thing, I'll play the other one. So that's top on my list, but that's not interesting to anybody else uh, <laughs> yet. It's, it will be one day. It's going to be so good. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like, you know, before Dietland, I'd never, I'd never dared to dream for something as big as that. To like play yeah. a character that that was a full realized person who fell in love, who like had adversity that I I'd never dared to wish that hard, right? And so that's what I'm looking for for more. I want full realized parts that 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 don't have anything to do with it being fat. I know that Plum did, but it almost felt secondary as you get into it. Yeah, like. It's just simply so rare to see a fat character that's as, like, layered and, and real. Yeah. And to see as many fat characters in one show. Because um, I interviewed Jen Ponton, um, and we talked about Dietland a lot. And I, I remember saying, like, there were so many fat characters. It was amazing. She was like, there were three. And now I've interviewed all of them. <laughs> and um, Oh, that's wild. Yeah. And, and it's so funny because having more than one fat person to just fill the like fat person diversity slot or whatever, or like the funny friend slot or whatever, like in a TV series felt absolutely like revolutionary to me, even though like in the world you see fat people all the time. Yeah. Depending on where you live. But yeah. Totally. And, and yeah, as you're saying that I'm like, you know, why couldn't we have a story about two sisters and why wouldn't they both be fat? They come from the same right. family. Exactly. And why wouldn't their mother be fat? It's Yeah. Yeah. We'll just have to write that. I'll just have to make that happen. Absolutely. Because, I mean, I mean, it, then that falls into the, the, the things that you hear about actors of color coming up against all the time. Oh, well, we can't totally, have two yeah. Indians. Then it's an Indian movie. We can't have two fat right. people. It'll be a fat movie. Why not? Like, they wouldn't know each other? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> They had a really great storyline on Never Have I Ever this season, actually about her like meeting an Indian friend and how she didn't have any Indian friends. It was a, it was so great, and now and now the friend is part of the main cast, so it's really awesome. I love I have goosebumps. That's so and why that's as yeah. basic as you can get, but it, it we don't Absolutely. see it. It's outrageous, and we act like like it's Highlander, like there can only be one. Like it's ridiculous. Totally, totally. That mentality is so deeply embedded in acting. And it's just, it, it doesn't make sense anymore. I really don't think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I will say my, my um, Cast Me Cowards for You is like strongly a rom-com set at a beach where you like wear a lot of like beautiful maxi oh dresses God. and like um, have like long flowing hair. and like, Oh my like, God. With, like a carpenter <laughs> or something like a Hallmark. I don't even know. <laughs> so dreamy. I want, I want that for my real life. <laughs> <laughs> I want that for you too. That's, oh, I love that. I really like that. And why not? Why shouldn't it be? Absolutely. I think it would be so good. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to go write it. You're hired. You're hired. 
I'll Thank find you. us a producer. It's done. Lock's done. Okay. You'll have have your people call my people. <laughs> I am my people. Um, You'll get them. You'll get them. <laughs> one day, knock on wood. Um, so before we go, I do want to ask you one more thing about Dietland, which is um, when you were doing press for the show and sort of stepped into the public as like somebody starring in a TV show about a fat woman. Um, what was that like for you to be so seen? And did you feel any pressure to like represent the plus size community or to like behave in a certain way? I don't know. I don't know that I did the best job <laughs> doing the press. Like looking back on it, I feel I, it was so like an overwhelming, like every day was something new, you know, like yeah. they, and, and it was so fun, like to have somebody show up with a list of things that you're doing today. Oh, okay. And these are the things you're wearing. Oh, okay. Uh, and she's doing your makeup. Uh-huh. Like, um, I don't know. I felt, I feel like, I, I feel like a lot of the stories that people were asking were like, like they sort of acted like the show was like a biopic a little bit. Like, you know, you must've struggled with all these things. Yes. In a way, but not necessarily all of them. And I've never tried to have weight loss surgery. That was never on the plate for me. Um, I pretty, you know what I mean? Like that, that totally. Yeah. I don't know that people were ready to hear that. And it also took me a minute to learn that like a reporter is not your therapist and they're not your friend. And they, it's their job to like, you know, make you feel comfortable and draw that out of you, but you should have an agenda. You should have your own agenda when you go in. That's what I should say that, that I wish that I'd known that, like what my agenda should be. Yeah. Gotcha. And if you could go back, like, what would you, what would your agenda have been? Um, telling people to watch the show. Uh, I don't know. I I try to take (laughs) some time and think of something really salacious maybe, (laughs) or even offensive. Like everyone, the, the, the email headlines that people click on are the ones like, like, I'm so embarrassed, you know, (laughs) I feel like such an asshole click. Like, yeah, that's great. Maybe why not? (laughs) Let's play the game. Uh, I love that. (laughs) Okay. So one last thing is, uh, what can people do to combat fat phobia in the entertainment industry? Industry people um, can fight for more fat people to be included um, mm-hmm. in casting. Yeah, I feel so blessed with my reps right now. They 100% get it and um, will let me read something. They're like, I think this is a pretty easy pass, but I wanted you to see it. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> when mm-hmm. it's jo- jokes about eating a hundred cookies or whatever. Like, but I think that there should be more radical fat people in casting and in writing. Um, and I think there are coming to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Envisioning characters that don't hate themselves. Beautifully put. And do you have anything for like lay people or consumers? Watch those shows with fat people on them. Go to Hulu, type in Dietland, <laughs> send a letter. I truly have mentioned it so many times on this podcast. If you're listening and you haven't watched Dietland yet, I don't know what you're doing. Get to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's so yeah, many great just, things. Let's yeah, I'm sure you have named yeah. a million as your as your Yes, but what are some of your favorites? Um, I love Shrill. Mm-hmm. I love uh sierra burgess um oh. dumplin obviously oh, dumplin's so good. uh 
Jen had a movie, Love on the Run, which was great. Yes. Um, anything with Cameron Mannheim. Anything with Nicole Byer, who's a f- dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Someday. I just want to work with her. Um, yeah. Uh, Ashley Atkinson's incredible. Um, um, there's a new show on Peacock. Uh, what's it called? Is that Rutherford Falls? I've heard yes. good things. I've been meaning to check it out. I, yeah, I need to, too. Um, yeah, there's tons. I w- it feels weird to, like, make a list, but maybe we need to, yeah. like, show our support for each other or something. Yeah, I like that. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was so exciting for me. Thanks for bearing with me for all my technical issues. Oh, you're so good um, at this. You really are. <laughs> I had oh so God, much fun. Oh, my God, thank you so much. And um, I, it's just such an honor to talk to you. I think you're so talented and so beautiful. And Dietland means so much to me. Like I, it just made me like completely sob and fall apart in the best way. Yay! And oh. um, this has been so cool. If you told me three years ago where I would be right now, I'd be like, because oh, I'm talking to Joy Nash. Oh, you're so sweet, Abby. <laughs> Thank you. I've had so much fun. I'm so glad. Is there anything that you want to plug or leave us with? And then where can we find you on social media? Um, on social media, on Instagram, I'm the real Joy Nash. And um, I have a Facebook page that's, I think, also the real Joy Nash that I hardly ever checked. Instagram's the best way. Um, and plugging, awesome. I do, I, um, I'm auditioning for things right now, but I don't have anything. Oh, I, I did a movie called Serpentine Pink. Um, cool. I'm not sure where it'll be available. I think it's going to festivals or something. Yeah. And if you want an audiobook, search for Joy Nash. Actually, there's an author named Joy Nash. You have to be careful that you're getting the narrator oh, Joy okay. Nash. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again so much. This has been awesome. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And I can't wait to hear where your career goes in the future. Uh, thank you. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening to More Than Tracy Turnblad. If you liked it, hit subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. Also, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at More Than Tracy T. And just tell your friends. Word of mouth is great, too. You can find more information at morethantracyturnblad.com. Thank you.